how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Mickey Durr started his career as an artist and illustrator. Over the years, he was invited to create some animated sequences for ESPN documentaries, such as the 30 for 30, You Don't Know Bo, about the legendary Bo Jackson. His new series, Losers, is really an ensemble of stories about perseverance. The athletes included involve a boxer, a soccer team, an Olympic figure skater, a curler, an ultra-marathon runner, a dog musher, a basketball star, and a golfer. In this interview, the director talks about choosing his subjects, the perspective failure brings to a quote, loser, the tone of the candid series, how to react to major public loss, and finding a style in the work that makes yours stand apart. I never really had aspirations to, to become a director. I started my career as an artist, uh, working as an illustrator for magazines and newspapers. And uh, over the years, figured out this kind of way of doing limited animation, uh, did a few ads in that way, and then was invited to, to do um, some animated sequences for an ESPN documentary. And I'd always been interested in sports stories, so... It was really fun. It was about Bo Jackson called You Don't Know Bo. And then uh, after that, got my first opportunity to, to direct after pitching a story that I thought was just going to be an illustrated blog post. And uh, that began my career as a documentary film director with these animated sequences in it. So what led to Losers? How did you get involved with that project? So the, the last film that I made uh, prior to making the series was a short film for ESPN called The Shining Star of Losers Everywhere. And uh, it told the story of this Japanese racehorse who in 2003 had become famous in Japan for enduring this really long losing streak. And uh, it was during a recession in Japan, and she became this symbol of perseverance where uh, people would come to the track and say, hey, if she uh, continues to try hard, even though she keeps losing, uh, I can continue trying hard in my life. And uh, I just thought that this kind of uh, noble, these ideas of noble failure uh, were really different than the way that we typically look at stories in America. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to find these kinds of stories, not just in America, but internationally for a series. So... Uh, that's that was the beginning. So, how did you go about you know this collection? There are you know, a lot of athletes here, um, but they're all very different. There's like a, a snow dog race. There's a boxer. How did you kind of start to pick and choose which ones you want to, to focus on? Well, 
you know, when you're when you're doing a project like this, uh, especially working with a place like Netflix, who was very supportive in our show having an international flavor, we, we cast a very wide net. Uh, so there are stories of individuals and teams, men and women. Um, we we wanted there to feel like it was a broad survey, not not just of uh, you know countries that are represented, but also sports. And uh, I was looking for subjects that, um, of course, were willing to participate and tell the stories. But it's really more about how they reacted to the the losses or the failures that they endured, rather than the failures themselves. Many are many of our subjects really all of our subjects, I should say, challenged themselves to find something positive from that experience and, and take that forward in their lives in a way that maybe doesn't typically exist in the popular imagination when we think of uh, you know, teams or individuals that have choked or, or lost in spectacular fashion. Usually those stories and people are kind of pushed off the, the stage and never heard from again. A lot of these, I mean, everyone has, you know, failures in life, but these particular subjects are very, like, public failures for the most part. Um, did you have people that you approached that, that were hesitant to get involved, or did you, you know, did you tell them this is about, you know, quote, losers? How did you kind of start that conversation? You know, I, I think that there's this idea that these subjects uh, wake up every morning and, uh, you know, the, the first thing that they think of is, you know, why did I use the driver on the 18th hole 20 years ago? Uh, and, and that they, they just suffer this that hangs around their neck so heavily forevermore. Uh, many of the subjects are open about talking about what happened. Um, uh, you know, interviewers tend to, to tiptoe around thinking that it's still a fresh wound. But many of the subjects have, have moved on and have found a place to put these losses in their lives and have have much greater perspective on what's important <laughs> uh, in life uh, more than uh, more than kind of interviewers do. Uh, so I wanted to, of course, be as respectful as possible. Tone is really important in our show, uh, but I just went into to speaking with all of the subjects. Uh, very candidly about how I felt like there was something that, that we could learn from their experience. And uh, I just, uh, I was very curious about, you know, the moments after the loss and, and how their feelings evolved. Um, I, and uh, I'm very grateful to all of them for how candid they were with us, how much they let us into their lives. And uh, we, we had a team on our side that was really dedicated to finding the, the poetry and, and the beauty and all of their experiences. In addition to, you know, perseverance, were there any similarities that kind of surprised you that kind of went across the board for these subjects? Well, I, I think that uh, the way that these stories are typically told, a, a failure include kind of a, sw a swelling of string music and slow uh slow zoom ins on the subject's face as they you know start to tear up. A lot of the subjects look back and have a great sense of humor about what happened. So, and oftentimes it's a really dark sense of humor, a fatalistic sense of humor. So when, when those moments would, would happen, um, it just it felt great because it felt like we were in different territory with regards to talking about these, you know, quote unquote, humiliating public losses. And uh, it just felt 
real because I think that uh, these are things that my, for, for myself, who has never been a professional athlete, I can relate to that. When you get to a point when you look back at, you know, the, uh, you know, the big test that you blew or the first impression that you blew, if you, uh, if you can look back on it and laugh, uh, that that says something about where you put it in your life. That it's not still so raw for you. Uh, so that 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 was always a, a great sign whenever that happened. So in the terms of logistics, how did you like? How much time did you spend on an episode, counting research and filming, and how did you break up that process? Well, the uh, the schedule was very aggressive. We we made the entire show in a year. Um, so the production period was for the most part, only about 12 weeks. So we, we were on the road. We only took, I think, two days off during the entire production period. And we spent about five or six days uh, on each of the stories. So it was, uh, it was very, very condensed. Occasionally, we would do a pickup interview after we spent uh, the you know, large chunk of time with, with our subjects. But for the most part, you know, when you're doing a story, say, out in Sicily in the Sahara Desert or out in Alaska, it, we, we really had one shot at it. And um, there were a lot of tricky uh, situations because we were making the, the show in winter. Uh, we did a curling episode in Canada, you know, the Alaskan dog mushing episode. The weather was not always uh, as perfect as we uh, would have liked it to be in terms of our travel and so forth. But uh I had a great team with me, a great line producer who rolled with the punches, great field producers. Uh, there were seven of us traveling on the road, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was it was actually really fun, as intense as it was. It was it was very fun. The animation really stands out in these, and you're kind of coming in with that perspective. But what advice might you have for people wanting to make their first documentary or something like a shorter documentary? but still putting their own style on it. Like this is very much or certain parts or animation rather than archive footage. And, and it's all a very stylized view. How do they, how would you recommend putting your own spin on a, a documentary like this? Well, the thing, the thing about making a, a film is that it's completely a team sport. I came from, you know, working by myself doing other ad campaigns or magazine illustrations. Um, Try. I, I tell young people to try and develop like a superpower. You know, one one thing that you feel like you can definitely contribute to the project. I I felt like I grew a lot uh, on this show. This is definitely the most ambitious thing I've ever uh, done. But I I knew going in that uh, the animation, which is kind of one of my trademarks as a as a filmmaker there was something there that i could do to to elevate the story to t to get at different parts of the story whether through recreations or maps or um infographics so that was a, an actual skill that i was <laughs> bringing to the table um and i think when you're putting together a team uh when you're when you're thinking about taking a project on uh just know that you don't have to have every skill but you should at least be able to identify one specific thing uh, as a starting point of, uh, of what you could do that will make your work um, different or interesting. Um, some, some territory where you're, uh, you feel a certain amount of confidence. 
Now that the project is about to be released, is there any advice you wish you had before you started or anything you wish you had known or planned to do that you might could go, if you could go back, would you do anything differently in preparation? That's a good question. Um, I think uh, we our, our team would have benefited more from a little bit more pre-production uh, as much as I was just sort of talking about the virtues of, of going on the road and, and, and hitting things really hard and, and doing things quickly. Um, I do feel like there would have been uh, more of a benefit if in some situations we were a little bit better prepared. Um, I, I think that uh, I was itching. Uh, many of us were itching to, uh, to get into production, to just start seeing things uh, start to really happen. Um, but, Planning is is so important, especially when you're going to be doing a lot of traveling. We did over 65 interviews. Um, planning is is critically important. And uh, next time around, I think I'll I'll spend a little bit more time there. And we uh, just got a couple more. Is there any advice you might have um, for anyone else who wants to tackle a project like this or anything like that? Well, advice is on a project of this scale. There's no way that um, you're going to endure uh, the pressure and uh, and the torture of it if you don't really believe in it. So uh, there's there's actually no way to fake it without completely uh, you know blowing it. So if if you are going to take on a project, um, you you have to believe. You're going to have to inspire a crew to continue working to uh, deliver at a high level. And um, you gotta you gotta make sure what you're working on has enough meat on the bones for uh, to sustain you during those difficult moments. After making something like this, um, do you you know would you possibly advise or do you see things differently in terms of you know if you fail if you're failing at one thing there are second chances or perhaps there's a different route or a pivot you can take in your life that works out better. Do you kind of see things in that perspective now that you've made this film? Definitely. I, I mean, I think that aside from this being a great work experience, it was a great life experience and that I got to meet and interact with a ton of people with, with, with a lot of wisdom with regards to winning and losing. Um, you know, all of them have been, you know, labeled, uh, slandered as losers uh, in a negative way. And they, they really, you know, came to, to say that, it's not whether you win or lose that's uh, most critically important. What, what's more important is to have courage to throw yourself into things and to try as hard as you can. Uh, those are lessons that I, I try to embody in my work. Those are lessons that I try to impart to my two boys. Um, and I think that's important for everyone to remember that, you know, winning and losing, sometimes there's a very fine line. Sometimes the way that you lose, uh, is not entirely in your control, but what is in control is uh, the effort that you bring to things and uh, uh, having the courage to really go for something that you believe in. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. 
This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.